Hey Dave. Welcome home. Thank you. Welcome home as well. You went on a little trip. Little mini trip, yeah. We've uh, left our loyal listeners high and dry a little bit, I guess. No, we gave them that dope Starwood show. We gave them the Starwood show, but what is it today? Tuesday. So we're They'd probably like be expecting a show already. Two days then, late. That's, I'll consider that high and dry. If you want yeah, to be yeah. complacent about it, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty blase from holiday. So anyway, let's talk about holidays in our next show. Next show will be holiday related. we've got a bumper show with uh, Miro and Ooh, Kerry. Oh, it's good. Yeah, we just chatted to them all about Good Beer if Week. If you guys yeah, have been to a little event called Good Beer Week yeah, at you all, may you may it. be interested in uh, some of the inner workings. Definitely. Uh, and the central nervous system, if you want, of Good Beer Week. The No, I don't want to push that any further. Okay. Uh, i got some news for you, Dave. Lay it on me. While we were away, did you hear about this brewery that sold? Um, Something about it. I don't know. There wasn't much about four, it. Yeah. Four Pines. Never heard of them. Ring a bell. Yeah. So, yeah, they sold to AB and Bev. Yeah, good on them. They always said they wouldn't sell. I mean, don't I make g- those statements if you're a brewery. Yeah, fair enough. Just fucking shut up. I don't really care if you make them and then you go against it, but it, it's a weird look. But once you, then who cares if you've if you've gone back on what you say and sold out? Then who like who cares? Nah, screw it. Because what's a lot the of, no? Because a lot. Who of, are you mad at though? A lot of a lot of fans and like I don't give a shit because. Whatever, as you say, do do what you got to do. But a lot of fans put a lot of stock in supporting these brands that yep. put the independence. And a big part of the the craft beer whole thing is supporting independence. And for those for you to to go out and say, "Hey, we're gonna always gonna be independent. We're never gonna do this," and then do it, you're shitting on the people that are supporting you for that reason. Yeah, I get that, and I think that's true at that time. But there's no way that I'm, I, I've got no doubt in my mind that Four Points had that ethos when yep. they said it. Yeah. But there's like there's no way they had irons in the fire with AB and Bev and then going, we'll always be Oh, no, definite way. That was because the, they came out and said like that was in planning for like 12 months or something. And in that time, they'd done that Instagram post saying there's rumours we've been sold and they hashtagged Forever Independent. Yeah, right. Okay. So I think there was some crossover timelines. Okay. Um, oh, just right. don't say it. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't give a shit. Like things change. Yeah, yeah, like, shit and changes. And it's cool. That's, yeah. yeah, but don't because there are people that pin so much support onto brands, and you've done it. And brands do a good job of getting that support, and I think that's cool. But then I feel like some of those people get shafted when that happens, and I think they have they have every right to feel shitty at you. But who are they feeling shitty at now? Well, they feeling shitty at the the four team. Right, and whether yeah, but whether they said it or not, like it doesn't change anything now. Yeah, yeah, but like I don't know if, if you're pil- if you're pinning your values yep, on that. I agree with then, it. Yeah, to me, I mean, we're not. I mean, I'm sure that they, they had more presence in New South Wales. Yeah. Um, to me, they always felt like a bit of an AB and Bev brand. Yeah, I um, never had much affinity for the brand, and that's. No, I, I I think early on, I think a, a, a lot of pales came up that I liked a lot more since then, but. I remember when I first had that pale, I was like, this is pretty delicious. And uh, then I always have fond memories of the uh, Kellador ESB. Oh, yeah. That always worked for me. Um, there was the um, the new IPA, the I think it's called New Season IPA. Yeah. Is that, I think it's Core Range now. Yeah, I'm not sure. I t- it's delicious. Had that. Yeah, really good. good. Oh, man, I had one of them the other day and I loved but it. For some reason, they always just felt like, maybe it's because like it was one of the first Dan's yeah. uh, adoptees. Um, Do you think... Maybe 
it's almost like mountain goat would be if we were in yeah, Sydney. Yeah, sure. Um, we're beloved locally. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not quite the story yet and the ingrained locality. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. Sure, yeah, I understand. Yeah, and it was also I've... like, uh, I can't remember what year, but maybe four years ago, Gabs, where they um, got booted for oh, marketing yeah. the votes illegally, which sort of feels like a big player move. That's, I think, because it was early on and, and as, you, as we're saying, we don't see much of them, that... That definitely yeah. sullied me on them. And I think that's not probably indicative of their brand. No, I'm sure it's not. And I think, yeah, I think their beers are better than... I used their stout in a tasting uh, one time. The space stout? Yeah, the yeah. unofficial space stout. Yeah. Uh, it really worked. Man, that's a, a really good beer. That was another one where I bought it because of that marketing mm. around it. And I really liked it. Yeah, that's a really good stout. Like probably um, probably my favourite Australian stout. It's definitely up there as in down the line stout. Up there for Mate, sure. Dead dog, black uh, black dog brewery. That's the that's the killer. All right. Yeah. Anyway, that's happened. Everyone's mm. probably got their own opinions. Got a lot of people talking. If anything, it probably does good. It probably does good for the independence um, in Australian brewing because it sort of solidifies what it means to be independent. Yeah. With all the conversation. Yeah. Uh, untapped. Speaking of places that have been bought over. Right. Um, they were they were bought out. Years ago. Yep. Oh, last year, sorry. Um, but they're currently expanding. How many staff do you think a company like Untapped has these days? Well, they started off with those two fellas. Greg Avola? Greg Avola and the other guy. Yep. Uh, I, for want of a better phrase, tapped out of Untapped. Yep. Uh, probably years ago now. Yeah. We've got no idea how many staff they would have had at the time. I feel that the way you asked me the question with a smirk, it's yeah. probably way more than yeah, I think yeah, they would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which uh, is probably going to lead you to say something ridiculous. Something ridiculous. But, like, but yeah. I would have said when I was using it, I would have thought they'd have a uh, representative in each like target like continent. So I would have said maybe half a dozen then, double it, say 12. How mm-hmm. many is the actual number? 100. What? They are taking up three floors of a building at the moment and they're what about are, to move. What do the people do? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I, I, as, as you said, you tapped out. I, I tapped out a while ago. Yeah. Um, I, a big part of their, big part of their brand is um, to business now. So I guess uh, Outgang Bar, the exit bar here in Melbourne, yep. they use their screens. Yep. So that, I think that costs them maybe a hundred bucks a month or maybe less. I can't remember if that's That's a right. smart thing to do, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Reckon and that's, like for, for that service. Yeah. And it's, I think that's that's what it should be. That's yeah. where that because yeah. you know there's developers, there's there's a lot of marketing. It's so, the invaluable resource of global feedback, constant global feedback, building the database. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got some ridiculous data that they can yeah, leverage. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, they 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 reckon they're they're about to expand. They're looking for new offices and they're coming up to 100 people. Uh, bringing it back locally, Mountain Goat are turning 20 this week. Yes. Got it. I can't go to the birthday party. Uh, they're releasing a double steam ale for Fine. the occasion. That's what it should be. That's and exactly th- the beer that should be brewed yeah. for the occasion. Yeah. yeah, I can fuck with that for sure. They um, first, first ever beer. That's going to be bottled, and they're bringing back all the old brewers to all brew. The old it. head brewers, yeah. So I saw a photo. I can't remember who was all in there. I saw, no, Jane, I saw Jane and Ian Morgan. Yeah, I can't remember who else was there. Um. But yeah, that's happening. Keep an eye out that the, the beer's being packaged, the double steam's being packaged. So uh twenty years, good effort for them from all the 
all the trials and tribulations from barely selling any beer to selling to Asahi to people somewhat abandoning them. To, to charging on making some of the best one-off beers. Pulp Fiction still sends out of my mind yep. as being one of the best beers this year, last year, whenever it was. Whenever it was, delicious. Um, but everything's been good so yeah. far. I don't really recall the Japanese cowboy. The first one they did under Asahi yeah. as a rare breed, but everything since then has been yeah. legit. Yeah. Yeah, good on them. Good on yep. them. Too um, right. I'll be hitting along. Didn't they do – did they – oh, they did the um, – I don't know what it was called, but it was a chocolate coconut porter. Uh, uh, return uh, attack of the killer rees. Rees, is no. that what it was? Is no. that that attack one? Attack of the rees. Well, uh, Silence, Silence of the rees. Yeah, of the right. Um, but that tasted like a bounty. That's what it tasted like. Yeah, we had that on the show uh, a while ago, didn't we? Oh yeah, you're right. We might have been in this room. It definitely was in this room. But yeah, I mean, if anyone's making a case for. Forging ahead as directed after a sellout, then definitely they're making the case for it. Definitely. I uh, also I still buy orange cans like it's nobody's business. Orange cans being the summer. summer. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever been a fan of the summer. Yeah, I like it. It works for me. But yeah, yeah, good good work to those guys for, for sticking around for 20 years. And uh, as we talked about bias birthday. before. You might be listening to this on Thursday. So happy birthday, Mountain Go. Yeah, yeah. I think the official one's Friday. Oh, right. I see what you mean. Yeah. Did I say Thursday before? Mm, no, but it's not worth talking about. Yeah. I think they're having them around the country anyway. Yeah. Uh, speaking of buyouts, Cryer Mold has been acquired by Barrett Burstyn Yeah, I saw Malting. that yesterday. Yeah. The news in the malting world. Definitely. Because uh, David Cryer is something of a godfather. Yeah, we've been trying to get – I we haven't ever managed to get him on the show. Because well, he only really comes across for Good Beer Week, right? Mm. And it's obviously mental time, like scheduling when you come across to Melbourne for Good Beer Week. Yeah. Um, we've always wanted to have David on the show. He's always been like one of those legendary characters if you manage to talk to him at all when you get a chance. So I'm not sure. Um, like officially there's no changes to the team. So I think David's still going to be involved. Um, for people that don't know, I guess Cryomalt was one of the early suppliers of malt and um, other brewing supplies way back in the day and they've – uh, David Cryer founded Beervana as well in, in New Zealand. And so, you know, he's been part of the industry for a long time. And, uh, yeah, chatting to him about malt, you know, off the cuff every now and then. It's fascinating what that guy knows and, and his insight into the industry. So Yeah, just the, yeah, just talking to him about, like, the beer at large. Is yeah. Just, it's a different take. Yeah. And it makes you go, oh, yeah, I don't really know – much about that area, like that level yeah. of beer that yeah. he does. It's um, he's a, he's a good guy. So yeah, I don't think that'll change too much at the consumer level, but I guess for for uh, brewers and stuff, that might change things. Yeah, I say so. Uh, do you read about Green Beacon, Bent Spoke, and Cheeky Monkey uh, as airline wise? Yeah, 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 that's fun. So Green Beacon out of Brisbane, Bent Spoke out of Canberra and Cheeky Monkey out of... Singapore Airlines, is that right? Yeah. yeah Cheeky Monkey out of uh, WA. Um, only in like business class or yeah, premium right. class. That sort of makes sense, but it's a, it's one step. If that goes well, you never know what, what might happen. On my flight the other day, they had Budweiser. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't think I've ever had a Budweiser. Quite tempted to get one. Remind me to tell you about Budweiser just after we talk here. All right. Uh, I didn't get one. I got a gin and tonic instead, but... That works, yeah. Yeah, it was good. But, yeah, it's, it's good news for those guys. And those breweries are 
they're not the breweries I would have said that would have been picked or, or would have gotten that that Guernsey. Yeah, right. Um, and it's kind of cool that, that that kind of breweries like that, regional, not regional, sorry, not not huge breweries. Yeah, yeah, but definitely not ones that you'd think would uh, get put in that uh, spotlight to new customers. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's good steps and, um, yeah, congratulations to those yeah, guys. Yeah, well done. It's a huge thing. Um, and I think big- like sports arenas and airlines were the two biggest like – uh, untouched areas of point of sale that craft brewers, whether they were looking for it or not. Speaking of sports arenas, go on. Gage Roads has gotten pouring rights at Perth Stadium. Yeah, is that the new one going up? Or yeah, is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know what's going to happen. So there. when's that open? Don't know. It's pretty impressive because I think that's going to become the third biggest uh, stadium in Australia. Uh, so. Second uh, of March looks like their first event, which is an Ed Sheeran concert. Famous yeah, right. singer songwriter Ed Sheeran. And Fun. then Perth. Yeah, I think it's going to be the third biggest uh, uh, stadium in, in the 60,000. Yeah, it sounds about right. So yeah. I think it's an exclusive pouring right. No, it can't be right. Yeah. I wrote that down. Anyway, if you're at. That would the, be game changing. If you're at Perth Stadium. Seeing Ed Sheeran, enjoying his hit song. <laughs> Alone in the Dark. Sure. You can get a Gage Roads beer, hopefully. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Price real, real promising, yeah. yeah. Uh, Moo Brew are having an event here in Melbourne this week. What's the event? Oh, they've got a big dinner yeah. uh, at Garden State, which is a, I don't know what it is. It's a, a big, have you been there? Never. It's a big multi-level venue that does, you know, one of those kind of caters to a lot of things. They've got really good beer there. They've got, I think, pretty good wine. Is it a bit um, like Craft & Co or more of a venue? Ven- like venue, venue, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. So I think it's designed to be like a crowd pleaser all day, all night um, for, for anyone. So I've been there for a couple of beers. I didn't love it, but they had good beer, so it's fine. But they're having a, a Mubaru degustation with the head brewer, Dave McGill. And they're also doing a some sort of can vending machine where they've collaborated with an artist and it's going to be there till I think November. Yeah, right. So it's like a roulette thing, so you pay. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, and you get because they've got the the new cans, which look yeah, kind of amazing. They look immaculate. Yeah, um, and also um, the first art we saw did not include the print on the cans. We just saw the front. Yes, yeah, but yeah. the front now has the names of the beers on there. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. So cleanly it just says Pale Ale, Nice. So like it makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're hopefully going to get a chat with Dave if we get the chance on Friday. But yeah. if not, um, we, we're well overdue a show with those guys. Yeah, I think so. I think we've either rec- – I don't know if it's just been you and me privately, but we always like the single hop pale. Yeah, that's been recommended a few yeah, times. Yeah, okay. Incidentally, I had a – Tasmanian IPA when I was in uh, Italy. Yeah. And I ordered off a menu and it came out with just said Tasmanian ale. It was a, a local brewery, obviously, um, but it was an Enigma single yeah, hop, okay. so which is the same hop as the Mubru. It was pretty good. Pretty good? Nice. Yeah, not as good as the, the Mubru one, but yeah, pretty good. I understand that, yeah. Um, How do we look for news? You got any more items? Uh, one more. Um, our good friends at Brew good friends we've never met them don't know anything about them never tried the beer um brew brewery the the brewery that what are they up to now 11 million yet or 11 billion or um, whatever it's supposed to be? it looks like they're going bust 
You're joking. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, their, their stock market floating, their China thing. The CEO was was on half a million a year in 2016. This year he's, he's lowered his yearly intake to $385,000 a year. Okay, but for um, the numbers they projected, yep. he would need to reduce his salary to like 100000 and for that to happen like nine times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that, an auditor's done, a, someone's done an audit on it and just basically said there's no money, you're all screwed. No one's ever seen your beer, what are you doing? <laughs> and then they said, no, we've got a loan from someone else, so it's all okay. So, well, that's not... A good way to operate a business. Um, no, nothing, none of the parts of their business were making money in the last financial year, including the hospitality it, venue. I have not heard one whisper about brew since we talked about that announcement at the time. This includes the hospitality venue in Mildura. Um, so if you can't make money at a brew pub right now, then give up. I mean, short but sweet. Yeah. Simple advice. Yeah. Anyway, Bruce News had a good story about it. Um, James Atkinson jumps into the the nuts and bolts. So um, go check out Bruce News for the the actual big story on that one. Final little bit of news. A little bit of a shout out to Matthew Biggs. Yeah, I was gonna uh, include it in the farewells. Oh, I, I guess maybe I'm that's too. yeah, maybe that's geez. a little bit uh, dramatic. Don't put yeah. him in the grave. True. True. Uh, he's in, in hospital at the moment. Patreon supporter, long-time supporter, uh, good friend. Uh, I don't. He said it's. He said what he had. Yeah. Dove, uh, dove. I look. I googled it because when he said what it was, I hadn't. I'd never heard of that before. I practiced it and I forgot all the syllables. So I'm gonna diverticulitis. Look That's not it. But uh, anyway, anyway. Um, uh, he's in hospital. He's yeah. in hospital for the week. So I'm assuming he's gonna be listening to this when we launch it. Yeah, we wish you a speedy recovery, Begsy. Yeah, get well soon. Uh, get well, and we hope that it is none too serious. Enjoy the next chat about Good Beer Week. It might um, ease your pain, ease your pain hopefully. a little bit. And if not, about things to come. Too. All right, let's uh, jump to Miro and, and Kerry, and then we'll come back. It is with good. Some You'll enjoy it. Rex. We've got the team, or two of the team from Good Beer Week Melbourne here. What's the official, every time I see like a payment, it goes to Beer Love Inc. Is that the? That's us. Yeah, That's cool. the official company title. But to everyone else, it's Good Beer Week Melbourne. Good Beer Week Melbourne, Melbourne Good Beer Week. How Just do you guys say Good Beer Week. Yeah, good Beer it's Week. It's only one of us. All right. <laughs> That's yeah. true enough. We've got Miro and Kerry with us. How's it going, guys? Really yeah, good. Thank yeah. you for having us. We're going to talk about Good Beer Week because registration's just opened. And while I think... We do talk about Melbourne. We get criticised that a little bit, Dave, don't we? Mm-hmm. About Melbourne too much. It's probably applicable to, to everyone that's involved in the beer industry and everyone hosting events um, because you guys are just asking for people to put in for events or, or uh, what's the word, apply? Register. Register, yep. So how's that going so far? You're like three days in. Yeah, so registration's opened on Sunday and close on the 31st of October. Halloween. Halloween. Sometimes it falls right in the middle of uh, Melbourne Cup week and that ah. goes, you know, really well for us. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we uh, we work with the dates, just try and keep them as consistent as possible to make it 
easily applicable to people. They can remember it every year and just know that come October it's time to get planning. Mm. Um, but the main thing for us this year is that we're really trying to prioritise um, speaking to us early, speaking to us often and really just getting that creativity moving. Um, quite what, often. When you say, sorry to interrupt, when you yeah. say speaking to you, yeah. do you mean like give you an email, shoot totally. you an email and say, hey, yeah. I don't know what the shit to do but I yeah, should do totally. it? totally, yeah. Um, the way that uh, – so I work in the office with Chev Giran, our general manager, and the way we think about it is it's better you're talking to us in October than you're trying to talk to us in February. Um, if you've got the semblance of an idea and you're just trying to really firm it up, um, we could put you in touch with someone like Miro or um, you know another member of our team and just really help um, f- finalise and – polish what you think an idea is, put you in touch with a brewery that might work with your venue or in reverse a venue that might work with your brewery. Um, and it just means that... Um, it's a little matchmaking service. <laughs> so, no, it really is though. It's um, I just know there are so many like half-baked or half-formed ideas out there that would be amazing if someone would pick up the phone and actually go, hey, maybe Good Beer Week can help instead of going, oh, we'll get onto it next year. Mm. And mm. what sort of numbers are adopting the get in touch early um, We theory? haven't told them to yet. Yeah, this right. Is okay. This is for. Previous, <laughs> previous years. Because <laughs> we do know a few uh, brewers and people that plan and it doesn't seem like they're strong suit, to be honest. I think, Miro, you'd agree here that um, events is something that comes from a lot of passion and that's – something that yeah. people either really, really dive into or it's not really their jam. So I guess it's about finding the person within your business who loves it, maybe making it a little bit of their project. What would you say, Miro? Oh, ownership is a yeah. huge part of it. Yeah. Uh, if there's not someone who's got their name on that project, it can be passed around, handballed around a team and then fall between the cracks and then everyone says, oh, we paid this rego and we're not sure about it. Um I think you're probably better off giving it to like if you've got someone junior in your team that you know this time next year you want to see them as a supervisor and you want to see them get across take something across the line own it and and see it through end to end and and help them tick all the dots and this is a great little project you can give someone in the team that wants their venue to shine and wants to step up or if you want to you know if you're a I don't know there's there's a lot of different ways you can approach this from a venue and but all of them comes down to ownership at the venue. That's an interesting point. Um, spending so many years in the corporate world and Dave, I'm sure you've seen this more often than not, with projects have ownership and they have an end goal and someone to, um, I guess, have it tied into their performance almost. Happens in the business world all the time. Doesn't happen in hospitality at all, but it should. It's a, probably a good excuse to do that. Oh, hugely. Because it's, it's, there's, a, there's a little bit of risk involved in it. And uh, as Kerry was saying, a really, really important point is that passion um, I mean, if you're certain this event is going to work, then maybe it's, you know, there's you can put more creativity into it and get a bit more of that risk going and that adrenaline. And that's definitely going to carry along as buzz. Um, and and, and, um, and someone someone should be proud of that event and it should be on their bloody resume. Uh, I mean, that's, that's how I got my job that I'm in right now in a marketing team for a wonderful brewery is because I've put events on my resume and I wanted to get you know, I wanted to prove that I could do things. Um, I'm going to ask a very broad question. What makes a good event? I want to hear Kerry's perspective on this. <laughs> well, this is the interesting thing. And the reason why both Mira and I are here is because that's very different whether you're asking from delivery mm. or presentation perspective. So sitting in the Good Beer Week office receiving those applications, we're looking for um, clarity of, of vision. We want to see 
exactly what you want that event to look like and to be and why someone wants to go to it. You know, I posted something from Dave Langlands from uh, Foresters today that he basically said, it's got to be fun, but it's got to be fun for both the attendees, the staff and the brewery involved. It's not just about making an event that, you know, super cheap, super exclusive. It's about making sure that it's something that works for every, every punter, ev- everyone who's invested in it. Um, and that comes through when you're applying for your event. If you've really thought about it and you've thought about um, its place in the program, you've thought about how it will balance against, you know, other breweries that are from the same kind of um, part of the market as you. You've thought about um, basically the, the broader picture of why it's a worthy event. It's not just oh, we'll chuck on a trivia, that's an easy one to do. It can get buried, so it's thinking, how do you rise above the pack? How do you stand out? Why should someone spend their money on your event over someone else's? This thing, trivia is an interesting example because I love trivia, but I can go to trivia tonight in 15 different places in Melbourne. Um, So I guess is that the – and also I guess beer dinners as well. Like, you know, we've all probably been in the industry long enough to have been to the same beer dinner 15 times and pork belly i love pork belly. pork belly and then chocolate fondant or chocolate mousse with imperial stout um you know how do you how do you approach that like do you you know when people are applying for those things do you guys give them a nudge and say maybe think about this a little bit further or i think what we're doing this year in particular is we're going to try and curate the festival more than we have previously um and that means we're not going to disclose the numbers or anything but it means we will be capping each stream though we literally get applications with one sentence about what the event will be being you know it'll and it'll inevitably be oh dude food and beer or something along those lines and we all know that conversation is yeah. done and dusted and we don't want to <laughs> well, see it anymore but then again <laughs> like and, and and this is why i wanted to hear kerry's perspective because i wear several hats on this uh I can put on my good beer week hat and go. This is what I, what I think I could put on my uh, beer sales rep hat or my bar supervisor hat or my, now my marketing team hat. And and one of those things where it's like dude food and beer. If that was in certain parts of Melbourne, awesome. In other parts, not so much. Um, I think if you tried to do that in you know Brunswick Street, then I, I think there'd be you know maybe a ra- rolled eyeball or a raised like from from your clientele. Uh, if you did that on Chapel Street, then great, we're engaging an audience that doesn't ever do those beer dinners and hasn't seen beer and chocolate and beer and sheets. Mm, mm. So, so you know, the taking taking the Fitzroy uh, heart of the craft beer scene and taking that somewhere else where it's new again is important to the festival because not everyone's been through those first stages of the craft beer journey. And also if someone did like, to, to pull a name out like Pirate Life and Dude Food and it was barbecue, I probably want to go to that event. Like there's a reason why they're – Oh, well, that's their DNA, events, right? Yeah. They this love the barbecue. Is, is yeah. it's, it's also about the language you use. Making sure that your event rings true to what um, your brewery represents, what the venue represents, mm. but also that it rings true to what Good Beer Week as a festival wants to represent. And Miro will know, like the board says, you know, we want to be the best, not necessarily the most events, that we want to have the best events. And that means continually working to break outside the beer, the beer bubble, break outside the circle that it's already, already in and bringing beer and proving that beer belongs anywhere. Um, and that just means thinking about the language you use when you're presenting food. If it's dude food, where are the women? You know, the same thing can be said, you know, pork belly, um, delicious slow and low barbecue. You can use different phrasings to make sure that you're not closing off the market. 
I I want to surpass Oktoberfest. Okay. That's and not that lofty of a goal. Well, well, you know. Next year? Uh, <laughs> five million people in three weeks. Yeah. I'm not sure we can we can get that sort of attendance. But Not the most people, Miro, the best. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like by surpassing, like to Oktoberfest can represent uh, many things in someone's mind, but uh, the finesse, the, the greatest parts of humanity and the greatest things of what beer can offer you is not represented there. And we are, there's a reason why Good Beer Week is happening in Melbourne and was born here is because Melbourne venues are amazing and diverse. And, and there's an expression that every venue wants to express itself and has a beautiful menu and, and tries to get its own message out. And that's, Good Beer Week's almost like a broadcaster of that, you know, a megaphone of that. And so, so um, I think, yeah, I think Kerry sort of summed it up there with that about intention, about expression of the brewery and the venue and, and you know, we all can sort of sing something harmoniously. Yeah. When you get those one word submissions, oh, sorry, one sentence submissions for events, do you then go back and say, listen, could be great. Can you give me some more about what the feeling and flavour might be? Absolutely. Yeah, that's an important part of the registration process. And that's where um, we have a meeting with the entire Good Beer Week committee and we go through every single application and we, you know, plus or minus pros and cons it and we come up with what we think is the best of the program. Um, some will fall below that line in terms of what they've offered and some will become a flat no based on it just not being right. For instance, we, we never allow beer pong. That's just beer pong? Okay. Beer pong. It's off the table yeah. always. So to speak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and is that just, I guess, does that a blanket thing on drinking games as a whole? or It's about embracing um, beer in a positive way. And it's it means that beer is for enjoyment, not for such other activities that we may all end up doing later in Good Beer Week anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the part we want to be embracing. Um, but um, with those one sentence ones and those just the ones who just give us nothing to work with, absolutely we, we, we go back and go, okay, if there's a real kernel of an idea here, let's talk about it, really push it further and see what it can turn into. Um, and saying that, we are curating harder this year than we have previously and if it's really just the bottom of the pile, that may well be it. Mm. So we want to see the best and we want to see it early. Because we've mentioned before how many times we've seen in guides for festivals, six beers matched with six nibbles come down. like 40 bucks. Don't know, don't know what's <laughs> going on there. Could be great, but it's a, it's a risk. Mm. Exactly. Well, uh, uh, if you're launching a new brewery that's never been in Melbourne before, that could be a good way to do it. It's a simple format with something really new in it. If that's a brewery that we've all seen mm. at mm -hmm. the festival for the last seven years, yeah, odds are no one's going to show up. Without mm. naming names, do you have those reoffenders that should know better and don't? Um, I don't have specific breweries that do that, but I certainly have a certain, like I have a few keywords that just make me go, ah, every single year. Um, <laughs> and what are those, Kerry? Uh, the word beast. Beast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Beast, beast pops up a lot. Yeah. Um, I've seen it so many <laughs> times and I'm just like, there, I, it wasn't last year, I think it was the year before, and we had three events that had almost identical names. Beer, beer and beast or something? Beer and beast, <laughs> beer versus beer, like those kinds of things. And they were all quite different concepts, but it made it really hard for the punter to figure that out um, when they were searching for an event. Um, so it's just, it becomes so important the way you name things, um, the way you describe things. It's just showing your, new, your, your uniqueness and 
the best way to do that is make sure it reads like nothing else. And that's why, you know, Kerry has such an amazing uh, role within the team is controlling the voice. There's uh, 180 different venues last year. Yeah, almost 200, I think. Yeah, with 300 events and you're editing the submissions of all of them. Yes. That would, that would pickle my brain. That would drive me insane. Uh, in the very early years of Good Beer Week, I was very much of the uh, um, mindset. I was like, oh, well, if someone's got a grammatical error, that's their fault. We'll like, laugh at them. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, that was, like, that's a very immature perspective for me to have as a team member. Uh, and, and there's always been this staunch line within the Good Beer Week team. No, that's our program. We take ownership of that. And someone ends up doing a stupid amount of hours editing that so that there's a cohesive voice there and every one of those venues looks professional. So that communication early, like we want that. Even if you've got that one line entry, that's a signal to us that we want to engage with you because you want to you want to do something. You've got a simple idea, but like let's let's help you sell this. And I've always thought that Good Beer Week is like a little marketing agency for an industry that doesn't have marketing teams that we can help sell your event. And that's that's what you pay your registration for, right? It's got to be hard though at times getting those one line things and then making it a sellable event. Like do, do venues need to, to do their part, do they? Absolutely. And I think it's um, we offer as much as we physically can to, to 300 and something events and we only have so much airspace that we can dedicate to each one of those events. And so it's really important that venues, you've got your own platforms and those platforms have your customers on them. So depending on Good Beer Week alone is not going to get you very far. Um, we become stronger for it if you're sharing the word and your event becomes stronger for it. Um, but that also means just thinking now about what you want your May to look like. It's taking that extra half an hour to sit down with your team and going, okay, we've got kind of an idea for a Good Beer Week event, but what takes it next level? What what makes it accessible to mm. customers who have never walked in our door before? Yep. And what makes that event something they'll go to and then want to come back to my venue again afterwards? You nail an event and you've got a customer for life, not just for me. So coming back to your, your, your broad question earlier, what makes a good event? Now, that you've had a brilliant answer there from the person who puts together you know, a, lot, a lot of the program and the voice of Good Beer Week. Um, uh, my role in the industry for the last few years has been selling beer. And so for me, what makes a good event, uh, whether it's for one of my own breweries or when, I, when I, I see someone else put together an event, um, you make that venue a destination for the punter to go back to as an ambassador for the brewery and that venue. So, um, and this might sound really boring, but I don't like having an event running like my own events with like six beers you can never try again. There's only so many of those events you can do during the week. What I would love to do when I put together a menu is have like three out of five beers at that event. Let's say if we're doing one of those five course dinners that we were just talking about before. We have three out of five of those beers people have seen before and maybe five of those five items of food, a couple of signatures of that restaurant. Some food that you've never seen before, one or two, some beer that you've never seen, one or two. Someone leaves that that restaurant that day, let's say it's on Chapel Street, like I was talking about before, and they go, good grief, I didn't know ESB worked with mustard and grilled red meat so well. It pairs beautifully. I didn't know that IPA and pickle works. Now that pickle dish, that mustard dish are both still available at the venue. The IPA and the ESB are still there. They walk away and they get, I don't know, it's their dad's birthday the next week or they've got a hen's party or something and they go back to the venue, check it out. I learned how to pair this. 
And people go, oh my God, IPA and pickles, that's amazing. You, that little advocate comes back to the venue, takes something they've learned about beer and food and shares that love of it amongst their friends. And then they go, what about that other beer? And they're like, oh, that, you know, Coco Nib, Bourbon Imperial Stout. Yeah, no, no, that doesn't exist. You got to go to it. Next time one of these events is on, go there because they'll have something special. So you've got that repeatable advocacy and then you've got something that was really special about the event. And So for me, an event builds the relationship between the brewery and the venue and it builds advocates for our industry. Is that also knowing your audience as well? You know, for, as you said, a lot of venues that wouldn't work in Brunswick Street but it would work in Chapel Street. And I, I've seen, you know, you see events in the guide and you're like, oh, sounds good but I feel like they're kind of missing the mark with their audience or, or who they are looking for. Is it kind of knowing, knowing your clientele or, or knowing who you're pitching it at? A great point Kerry brought up is think about your May next year and what you want, basically what you want your winter to be. Um, you might want to have an event that's uh, that looks after your nearest and dearest customers that you know that all your regulars are going to buy a ticket to. That's fine. Remind them why they love your venue. Remind them why they have dinner there once a week and put on something special just for them. And that could work in country Victoria. It could work in Carlton. Um, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, you've got to sell the ticket. So we're going to help you do that. So you've got to have an idea of who that is. Whether, um, yeah, being, being target market specific as a venue, yeah, that's, that, uh, that's definitely a responsibility of the venue to think about who they're going to aim this event at. It's important on that note as well to think about why your venue works well with Good Beer Week specifically. If you're a general restaurant who's also involved with things like uh, Melbourne Food and Wine Month, things like that, it's thinking about what you're offering to the Good Beer Week program. We have certain things that we have to think about like um, it's, it's Mother's Day. In the, on the oh, first yeah, yeah. weekend of Good Beer Week, it, it was this year. Almost every year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was this year. It will be next year. And so it's thinking about if you're putting a beer event on Mother's Day, how, it's either got to be something that maybe the dads probably don't want to go to, or it's super family friendly and the whole family will come along. So it's we had a lot of events try and move, um, and we had the same situation with Gabs the following weekend. Um, people shy away from going up against Gabs. On the reverse of that, you have someone like Carwin Sellers who knows their audience and they know that they can put on a killer event when Gabs is on and fill the room and, and they do that every single Good Beer Week. And the fact is, is that not everyone goes to every session of Gabs. So there are all these people in town desperate for beer events who might only have tickets to the Friday. Why not give them something to do on the Saturday as well? So it's thinking about how you fit in the program but also thinking about what day works for you and what type of events work for the certain day, if that makes sense. Mm. The event that I did a couple of years ago, the, the vegetarian tea one, initially that was planned to be the Sunday. You know, it was kind of like the, the last day of the Good Beer Week. It was like, you know, you're going to not eat any meat, you're going to drink some tea and it's going to be a nice relaxing thing. And, and then we thought, nah, squirrel, let's just put it in the middle of the week. And say to vegetarians, come and celebrate beer and tea because you can. Um, and that was that kind of mindset of, yeah, what day it goes on can change the mindset of the event, whether it's a, an afterthought or it's a centrepiece. I went to a vegetarian event at uh, Babu G uh, two good beer weeks ago, I believe it was. Such a good menu with that and joint. It saved me. Yeah. <laughs> it was the Tuesday night. It had been a very long start to Good Beer Week and 
honestly, eating vegetarian food on the Tuesday night of Good Beer Week was a godsend. <laughs> um, well, because there, there are there are more vegetarian events now than there were then, but it's still a very small portion, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely, and it's um, again, it's breaking outside of that beer bubble. We want to see more sporting events. We want to see more um, arts and music. We want to see. Um, events in the West and events in the South. Um, I think the West is going to be the West covered might this, be year. Okay this year. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. hopefully. Um, but it's it's just proving that beer doesn't just have to be in Fitzroy and it doesn't just have to be in beer bars, um, and that can take all manner of forms. Mm. You guys uh, mentioned the, the the registration fee that people pay. Um, not sure what it is this year, but it's it's a considerable amount for for some small businesses. But for that, they get quite a lot compared to other festivals that, I, that I've seen where you guys look after the ticketing, um, you guys look after a, a big chunk of the marketing and you push a lot of events. What else do they get for their, their money? Uh, the key thing I think is that they get put in a print program that goes out to more than 60,000 people. Both They've got their own unique URLs directly to the, um, to the event on our website. Um, we push out to a massive range of media. We use an, ex, ex, um, an external PR firm and regularly push out media releases through them. Um, and also it's just a case of if you want extra help and you really need to go, hey, maybe we can do something interesting, come to us as well. Like we're always open to, um, you know, unique and interesting ways to push out different conversations about Good Beer Week. And mm. that might be that we see a thread running through three or four events in a similar area or, I don't know, uh, more women involved. Um, yeah. Well, and, and for me, the critical reasons why that registration fee is valuable. Our website's amazing. It might look like 300 events until you say, actually, I'm just looking for dinner or I'm looking for Italian craft beer. And this, there's search terms and the, the usability of our website, I think, is... I. I I'm going to put it out there. I think it's the best that there is in the country. Uh, and you can narrow it down to exactly what you want. And all of a sudden you're looking at a really fun week of 12 events with your Italian options or your, you know, however you've chosen or your sour beer events. It, 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 uh, that website brings it down to really targeted um, uh, like problem solving for that person who's looking to, to get involved in Good Beer Week. And you can do the same on the app as well. Yeah, and then that's the next step. The yeah. app is as a next extension of that. Then, as Kerry mentioned before, that PR piece, PR involvement and, and investment from Good Beer Week. Unlike some other festivals where the PR might just be building up the festival, um, through many different channels, and especially the, the sort of the innovation of having the streams, we've been able to sell, hey, check it out, these are the gig you know, the gig-friendly events or these these are the foodie events and, and, and being really targeted with the PR, you can start to speak to different audiences through different channels rather than just lifting the profile of the festival, lifting the profile of certain events that need to be sold. Mm. Um, so it's a really involved engine, this buzz, <laughs> this promotion <laughs> buzz that's, that kicks off, you know, uh, January, February, building all the way up. And I guess the other uh, point of what those Red Joe fees cover is you can call me and Chev and chat to us. Right. <laughs> Just about anything. <laughs> <laughs> We're, um, we, Chev and I are in that office pretty much every day. Um, and that's what we're there for. And if you're trying to figure out how to take your, you know, your event, um, to the next level, or you've got an event that you've done maybe two or three times and you're like, oh, is it tired? Is it old? How can I freshen it up? Call us. Maybe, yeah. maybe the event's finished and we can come up with something new for you. Or maybe you just need a new brewery involved or something and that's what you're paying for as well. 
we're here for a reason and just give us a call. What's the one event you guys want to see that you haven't seen yet? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I know what I want to see. Yeah, what's that? It's a thing called Brooklyn Beer Mansion. Oh, yes. Yes, I was <laughs> going to ask that. Yes. <laughs> so I'm just giving Miro a little... Uh, oh, so Miro, you have some pointed, involvement with Brooklyn? Is that that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I, I'm lucky enough to work for the Brooklyn Brewery. Uh, and uh, the Brooklyn Beer Mansion is pretty much, or the, the originally is the MASH tour, uh, is kind of how I connected with Brooklyn because Brooklyn Brewery is about events and education and so is Good Beer Week, so there's a lot of simpatico there. Um, yeah, that's that's on the cards for Australia. Um, I'm not, I haven't locked anything in yet though. Um, we, I like how you've put him on the spot yeah, for us. It's great. I've given you some guts. <laughs> well, no, no, but it's but it's interesting. Like, like for example, I've always, as a co-founder of Good Beer Week, I've always uh, felt like it's my uh, it's my responsibility to prove that the more you put into the week, the more you can get out of it. So last year, I had seventeen events for Brooklyn Brewery over ten days. Sixteen of them that I worked at. And 16 of them sold out. The one that didn't sell out was on Mother's Day lunch. And I think we got 75, 80% of the tickets sold. So, um, you know, talking about alcohol-free days, it's definitely good coffee week for me during good beer week. I do like to have a few beers, but there's more days with more coffee. Uh, and yeah, so I don't know. I have We haven't, there's not too much reason for me to put a mash <laughs> or a mansion into good beer week yet because we're so well, like, like all over the calendar. Um, but um, uh, experiential stuff. So, so what Kerry's talking about there, if I can sidestep into Dark Mofo. Absolutely. It's that whole vibe of being absorbed into a whole new experience where beer is almost just an entree or a, a, a part of it instead of being the focus. And that's, that's where I think the really fun stuff happens. Yeah. Um, I, 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 my personal gift to myself each year after Good Beer Week last couple of years has been uh, we have the, the debrief, we unwind, get sick, and then uh, in June go down to uh, Hobart to go to Dark Mofo, which I think is uh, world class. I think that there's nothing like it that I've ever heard of or been to, and a lot of the events at Dark Mofo are you step into something and you're completely overwhelmed by it, for better or for worse, for like facing your own fears to being involved in something ridiculous, the like the expression of art and theater and the immersive like that's i'd love to see more of that i'd like to see more of the arts has anything come close ah well i don't know like for you i, I really liked what the beer diva is doing with um uh with the choir at, uh, you know in the cathedral with trappist beer i think that that's uh that's still very beer focused though i think that was the one event where we sort of got to the end of good beer week and sort of went why didn't we do that yeah, yeah. yeah. i haven't been yet and i really Although you just said Trappist beer. Oh, wasn't is that a, it? Is that a slip up or is that a- All right, Luke. A, a scoop <laughs> that you've given us? Because yeah. I think this year it was like- uh, last Oh, it was Duval, was, wasn't it? No, no it was, um, it was last year and- Oh, it was last year and- Excuse me. Yeah. And Three Ravens this year. Previously it was Rodenbuck, I think. No, 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 no. I sorry. thought you were giving us a bit of a sneaky no, preview no, I, that no, we no, haven't- No, 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 and look, you heard it here <laughs> yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, maybe I'm just dreaming. But you know, but even but even still, like that's yeah, yeah. that's very much a beer event. Um, uh, I can think of one that probably touches on what you're getting at in a slightly more sporting context. I absolutely loved attending Tins of Glory that Bolter put on. Oh yeah. And that uh, we went there uh, 
Kate, um, our former general manager, Chev and myself went to that um, after going to Moondog for Abby Calabi. Went on over to um, a venue in North Melbourne for Tins of Glory and walked into a room of not typical Good Beer Week attendees, I think is mm. a way of phrasing it. Um, it was just anybody who who's wants to be to be there for a good time. They, it was a whole new realm of people. It was far closer to a 50-50 gender split. And it was what Good Beer Week can be and broadening the circle beyond the Fitzroys of the world. Um, it's It was fun. It was energetic. Beer was there and people were certainly enjoying the beer, but it was so much beyond that. It's a good example of uh, effectively naming your event as well. Tins of glory, glory could mean anything, but I want to go to it though. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and you should. It's yeah. great. Yeah, but also, <laughs> yeah, I remember so talking to Sterling at Gab's. He was pretty excited about how that went. So, yeah, um, yeah. And also, it's the kind of thing yeah, a lot of people, you know, there's a reason why Corona is such a popular beer, and it's not so much the beer, it's the, the touchstone people have with it or the association people the idea. have. So, people are walking away from a Bolter event like that, and they've gone, Man, we had so much fun and that beer was there. I'm going to drink that beer again. That's the power of what Good Beer Week and a quality beer event in general can do for your venue and your brewery. You build that strong connection and I can guarantee half the people in that room regularly by Volta now. Mm, mm. But I also I can guarantee – oh, I don't guarantee. I'd wager. I think uh, the, the the marketing coordinator or event coordinator, Elke. Um, Elke? Elke. Um, uh doesn't just have a drunken handshake at a beer event saying, hey, we're going to do this at your venue a couple of months from now. Let's sign it up. Like what I've seen with what Bolter do with their events is it's it's organized. It's it's it, like there's no room for, uh, uh, for it to flop. Like mm. there was so much put into place to making that event amazing. And that's a team that prepares, that has a pitch and then plans and builds to it and executes and then, and I think that that for me is a big part of if you're going to have, uh, uh, in fact, I just had one of those phone calls today where someone's got a great event for me. Uh, there's registration for something closing pretty soon and they need to know today. But I don't know the amount of attendees. I don't know the price per head. I don't know if my beer's in that venue currently. I'm not going to shake hands on that. I needed an email about these things and I need to build towards a plan that works for both parties. Too many times I've seen and beer festivals all around the country and it's happened in Good Beer Week where someone says, yeah, yeah, we'll sort it out and a brewery might send a few free kegs to your venue and you think that that covers the registration and then the brewery comes along in the night with an extra person who hasn't been paid for, but we gave you the beer, then run up a tab, I don't need you to pay for this, but didn't we give you the beer? Oh, but that was for the rego. And all of that stuff's being discussed at midnight when half the teams had a skinful and the venue's just been thrashed with a big event. And that's a perfect way to poison your relationship with the venue. Is that is you gotta you gotta sign off on these things nice and early and go, okay, well, maybe I don't know which seasonal beer you'll have, but we're gonna look at five different beers from you. There's three of them are on tap. We're gonna keep your beer on tap for two months beforehand and two months afterwards. And we're gonna do this. You get two tickets if you give me one of those kegs for free. If you pay for Rego, if we pay for Rego, maybe we want two more kegs. Or you, you gotta get that stuff written down nice and early because then you can start planning, you can start promoting, you can train the staff, you can do the social media, sell the event and go, wow, like respect first, then mm. drunken handshakes. Mm. And the yeah. benefit of doing that as well is if there's movement in your team before Good Beer Week, there's handover. Oh, yeah. 
because we, we see a lot of that. Um, it's, it's the hospitality industry, people move on, breweries change or, you know, all sorts of things can happen between October and May. And while that might make some people gun shy, instead it should just make you prepared. Get it all written down, get it planned as far along as you can by October 31st. And I know <laughs> that seems like a really long time, but we're not saying you have to have the menu. We're not saying you have to have 10 beers locked in, but if you've got you know, a number of tickets, your key contacts, um, your key contacts were at both the brewery, the venue, any other, any other suppliers, um, and all of those key things done, that means whoever else ends up taking it on in like March or something still knows what's going on. It's not a lost event just because someone's walked out of the building with all the knowledge. And the other thing with that is that it means you're seeing both beer events and the marketing that goes with it as an investment in your brewery and an investment in your venue. It's investing in going beyond Good Beer Week. It's going, we're going to deliver this well and we're going to deliver it um, beyond expectations because we want those people coming back again and again and again. Just quickly before we wrap up, can you briefly take us through the scheduling of the events? Because that must be a headache. As in literally sitting. Literally sitting. Well, we, uh, Mira's been doing it longer than me, but we sit at a big giant table and go through them. Lots of post-it notes. Yeah. Big butcher's – like you have butcher's paper on the wall every day of the week at the top. Um, we have post-it notes with the uh, colours of the event streams. I think that was Kate's innovation. Mm, good um, and then we read the program. And I think if you've ever had a look at our charter – you know, I'm not sure what sort of person you are, but if you're like me, it's a fun thing to read because that sets our values up and you can know who you're getting into bed with when you get in, you know, when you sign up with Good Beer Week is that if it's not, in a, it's not about innovation, it's not celebrating history, if it's not celebrating fine wine, uh, sorry, craft beer in the way that you would call something fine wine or, or slow food, you know, if it doesn't uh, have an education element, if it doesn't touch on three out of those five things I was just talking about, then it's probably not going to be a part of Good Beer Week. And we sit around as a committee, as a team, you know, the engine room of Good Beer Week and the board, we sit around and we read out every one of those 300 uh, paragraphs that have been put forward for an event and we look at the day of the week, we look at where it is against other venues in that area and then we look at the pitch on the event and we need to have everyone, we need to have a consensus in the group that that event gets stuck up on that butcher's paper. And do um, businesses have their own ideas about when events should be or has it got to a level of maturity as a festival where they don't have those expectations anymore? Um, as best as we can, we do try and accommodate when people want to hold their events. Um, if we can see direct uh, conflicts between two events, that's when we might go, hey, maybe would you take the Wednesday or something to that effect? Um or, you know, hey, this is a really trade-focused event and you've put it on a Thursday night when it's the Beer Awards. Maybe not a great idea. So um, we do as best as we can just try and see where the cards fall. Um, but once again, especially with trying to curate the festival more this year, um, we'll be trying to make sure there's a stronger spread. And so, you know, whether it's a Saturday night uh, block party or a Tuesday night degustation, like it needs to mean that we've got a really consistent, strong approach the whole week through, not just one weekend completely loaded and nothing on Thursdays. Mm. And so. people and people take that feedback yeah. and appreciate it Yeah, because, you know, you feel like you're taking a shot in the dark 
Uh, if you're in a really crowded area and you think I'm putting it on Tuesday night, but I could do it Wednesday or Thursday, and then we get back to you and say, brilliant, we needed that little spot filled. Or, you know what, there's three neighbours doing a beer and beast event. <laughs> you know, like, you know, but that, that, so that's part of the dialogue and that's part of how we make sure that the event, the festival's curated. And yeah, that's something that, that, that um, Kerry and Siobhan do immaculate, amazingly well. Thanks so much for coming in, guys. Key details about registration. Yeah, what do we need to go. know? Where do they go? The, the first thing I'd say is you can look at the events guidelines on the Good Beer Week website. Do that first. Goodbeerweek.com. Dot au. Dot au. <laughs> Who uh, got the dot com? Do you guys know? Yeah. Us. Oh, okay. So it'll redirect. Uh, no. Okay, carry on. No. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, read the events guidelines. We've put everything in there this year. We've gone, we've gone really, really specific with everything we're looking for, the holes we're hoping to fill, the, the curation we'll be doing. Do that first and then um, basically just get your event registered to us via the website once again um, by the 31st of October. Um, we will be deciding on the 3rd of November, I believe we're all meeting, to sit around that room and look at that butcher's paper. And we'll be going back to venues by mid-November with whether they've made it or not. Then it'll all be- Give them the of- essence and the story of your event. Don't just do a one-line submission. Totally. Cause it'll yeah. put you in a bad spot of the triage. I, I will smash a hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you, if you can't get excited by that one sentence, think about, all the people that have never seen your venue reading that. Yeah. Like this is this is beer. This is as fun as an industry can be. Like come up with an idea that you would love to attend. This is how this festival started is we wanted to attend these events and they weren't happening. You know, so think of something that that gives you chills, something that will give you some adrenaline and write down an event that you would love to host. Make it a dream come true. People might not know your story. They might not know what's going on with you, what you're like. So you've got to put it out there. I think I can give – an event that Dave and I would like to go to in three words. Go on. Multi-sensory Pilsner experience. Sign me up. Done. Watch out. Watch out. Expect our application soon. Nice. Thanks so much for coming along, guys, and good luck for November the 3rd, and I'm sure we'll see you during Good Beer Week looking frazzled and stressed. We'll, we'll, <laughs> give, you, we'll, we'll give you hugs. That's yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having Cheers. us. Cheers, guys. Welcome back. Um, we've been drinking an, a particular beer this whole time. Yeah. Well, the intro and the outro, I guess. Yep. Yeah. What, what is it? Uh, it's the Pirate Life West Coast IPA. It's delicious. Is that going to be your recommendation? No, it's not. Um, but it's one of those beers that I could like drink till I pass out. I mean, we always like to encourage responsible drinking, but this could be a dangerous one. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. I. I think it's reasonably high ABV. I think it's 7.5%. Keg only release? Not sure. Hmm. Um, but goddamn delicious though. Yeah. yeah. In a world of hazy New England IPAs, this has got that cut of bitterness that is making me happy. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. All right, Dave, give me a beer recommendation. All right. That's not I that might one. have to change my non-beer given what our nat- the nature of our next show is going to be. Sure. Um, but I'll give you a beer. Okay, so the beer... Uh, again, I'm, I'll, so I'm going to refer back to this next week as well, but um, I can't think of anything better right now. Uh, my beer recommendation is going to be the Brick Lane Brewing Hellas Lager. Oh, yeah. So oh, uh, I slagged them off on Twitter. Did you? Yeah. Yeah? For yeah. what reason? Oh, their, their branding was shit, but fair it's enough. not their final branding. Yep, fair enough. So I'd sort of forgotten about them 
as a company and I found myself at the Wandy pub, which uh, is a pub in Wandilagong, maybe a five minute drive from Bright. Uh, and it was a dive for years. It's a classic country pub. It looks like every, if you close your eyes and picture the front facade of a country pub, this is it. Uh, and apparently someone took over maybe a year and a half or two years ago and really revitalized it. I think the only thing on the menu prior to recently was chicken nuggets. The only thing on the menu? Maybe you might get some Smith's chips over the bar, but frozen chicken nuggets and maybe chips that yeah, were frozen yeah. as well. Um, which to be honest, probably would have gone down a storm there. Uh, but they got this beautiful open beer garden. It's a great spot. And the first beer that I saw on tap there was the Saturday from Bridge Road. Yep. Which is Whoa, like a, okay. Yeah. So like they've- It's the Britannomyces, Britannomyces range. Uh, range, the Mayday Hills. So um, they got some pretty legit beers on. They also had like two vintages of the Hawkers Imperial Stout on tap. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like a few approachable ones and then bang, bang, Hawkers. Um but the yeah, the Brick Lane Brewing, which is uh, John Selton's recipes, I imagine he's yeah, a head, yeah. he's the head brewer there yeah. now. Heller's uh, Lager, sunny afternoon, perfect, exactly what I wanted. Uh, nice, just line and length lager, clean, very very tasty. So they are um, owned by a conglomerate of, of big money, right? Yeah, that's uh, right. I met one of the HU owners incidentally yeah. when I was working at Otter's Promise. Just came in and he said, "Oh, I actually invested in a brewery." Um, I didn't know a heap about beer, but yeah, it was interesting chatting to him. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I think Dan Carter, famous All Black. Okay, uh, he's an an investor. Uh, Eddie McGuire is an investor. They've got all sorts involved. Yeah, fair so. enough. Um, well, I've only ever seen one of their beers before, so they're they're kind of testing the waters at the moment with with some recipes. But well, brewed uh, at Hawkers at the moment. Uh, yeah, well, I can understand that um, from the pedigree of the brewer. Um, however, I because I go to Bright every year, as you might hear next in the next week's chat. Um, but John Selton really revitalized all the recipes for um, Bright Brewery and really made them into. Uh, um, and rather than just being an outstanding venue to drink beer at, raised the level of beer to being very good, which is now maintained. But so I have faith that he can um, put together a good range of beers. And the first example of that uh, justifies it. It's a very good Hellas. Nice one. What's your beer rec? So I was sent some beers from the Australian Brewery. Okay. After I took some photos for an article when they sent me some beers. And I really like their uh, Mexican lager. Oh, yeah? Yeah, easy drinking Mexican lager. They I feel ha- like that should be used more in Australia than it is now. For the masses, you know yeah. what I mean? I feel like Mexican lagers are one that so many people opt for. And they can also just piggyback the marketing that all those Mexican lager companies are putting forth. You can put, I don't know, add some finger limes in there and say it's a Mexican lager made of finger limes and you've got the Corona. Sure. Even make it a pun on Corona. You know, you can, you can do a lot you of things. Call it Corona lager. There yep. you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice. Uh, their, so their New World Pilsner I didn't love because it didn't have that Pilsner yeah. 
old we know school how pills we that I love. About pills now, yeah. But yeah, the the couple of lagers I sent and that one, yeah, worked really well. Easy drinking, summertime. It's another one we don't Is see a lot of. Is that one that survived from summer or did they not brew it seasonally? I think they just brew it around the – I can't remember what the, the date on it was. But, yeah, right. But um, those guys, we don't see a lot of them down here outside of Dan Murphy's. Uh, so they were kind enough to send me some and I, I really enjoyed it. Mexican uh, lager. What's it called? Australia Brewery Mexican lager? No, it's got a – A fun name? Let me oh, – bloody Bixby. Yeah. Sick of you, Bixby. Samsung. I didn't swipe that way, yeah. Uh, Say Hermanos Lager. Say Hermanos? Yeah, S-E-I-S. Oh, Says Hermanos. Says. What does that mean? That's Six Brothers. Six Brothers Lager. There you go. Yeah, check it out. What's the what's the relation of Six Brothers? I don't know. Okay. Cool. What do you got for non-beer? Oh, yeah, I forgot about thinking about that. How about you start with your non-beer and I'll... Uh... So... I've decided to change mine because I'm going to leave it for the next episode. Okay. Uh, but I watched back to back to back all the Fast and Furious movies. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, Just before you say anything, that's been something that I've got on my like to-do list. Yeah. Because I watched – I don't think I've seen, seen any of them actually, but yeah. I go, that's something that like I'll be in the mood for and yeah, I will yeah. like want to binge a lot of them. So I got on the plane and I had – fucking 20 hours of flying to do and they had this on Emirates and they had box box sets box sets of movies and shit on their little thing one of them was all the alien movies including like Prometheus and Great. the most yep. recent one and yeah Fast and Furious and I'm like I got 20 hours of flying to do this is what I want to do with my fucking time so tell me about it oh spectacular yep. loved it I need to I think I need to go back and read the plot summaries to rank them okay I think some were better than others, some that I didn't like bits of. But as a whole, it's glorious. Just amazing how they transitioned that series into, you know, shitty car movie. Yeah. Into. Because it used to be about like drag racing or whatever. Yeah. But now they're like international spies or something like that. Pretty much. And they yeah. added like. Um, they added the yeah, rock into the mix. They added Charlie Theron to the mix. Because that's what you should do. If you have a shitty Kurt, franchise like that, yeah. that's Kurt, what you should Kurt do. Kurt Russell yeah. pops up. Um, Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, the, the Wonder is, Woman. Oh, okay. She's yeah. in there for, for a couple of them. Um, oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it just keeps on like – it keeps on escalating. And you're like, yeah, this is great. I can – Do you think one of the – do you reckon – how many have there been? Uh Eight. I didn't watch Tokyo Drift. Okay, why not? Because uh, that's not really canonical in a sense because it's set in Japan doesn't have the same character. Right. Oh, is that right? I'll, I'll leave that to the end. Okay. And then by the time I got through the other seven, I was like, oh, fuck, I need a break. Okay, so let me ask you this. Have you seen them all now? Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. Do you think, mm, let's say – before number 12 or after number 12, will one of them become president? Um, wait, in the movie or real life? Ah, it'll be much quicker than that in real life, so in the movies. Because The Rock is talking about running for president in 2020. He's definitely winning, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. but 2020, there's at least five more movies that would come out before then. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Probably not president, but the president will be, the White House will probably get involved. Yeah, so. okay. All right. Look, I cried when when the whole Paul Walker, when you knew that he died. Yeah. How fatigued were you 
that this was it pure emotion? Oh, I cry or? on planes all the time. Yeah, okay. Every time I watch a movie, I cried during Gridiron Gang. Yeah, okay. The other rock movie that no one remembers. Gridiron Gang, never heard of that. Oh, it's just the rock was in it. Biggest movie star in the world. It's well I've before that, that he was yeah, a big. Okay. Uh, and that's, that's the thing. People get emotional on on planes. Okay, fair and, enough. Uh, yeah. I mean, after watching fucking seven movies of Paul Walker, and you have the emotional ending. All Jesus. right. I'm going to go same, same, but different. All okay. right. Um, through pure accident, I came across this real delight. Okay. I've been watching the Life documentary series, David Attenborough, which is great. It's magnificent and also annoying for this reason. I think it happens a lot, but I've never been uh, committed enough to all of them to piece it together. There's a lot of footage from planet Earth in life. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. And also... I understand that, but annoyingly, there's a lot of shared footage and stories between episodes uh, yeah, of yeah. it. So, like, they might do one episode that's all about mating and courtship, and they'll show these crazy birds that do a crazy dance to, to for courtship, and then there'll be a birds episode five later, and they show the same thing. Yeah, a little bit annoying uh, within the same series, yeah. but the happy accident that I came across was that I operate a uh, lovely stereo speaker system in my house. I don't need surround sound. It doesn't add anything to me. But I've got very nice quality bookshelf speakers for stereo sound. I had accidentally set the uh, Netflix setting to surround rather than stereo. All of a sudden, the uh, Antarctic Mammals episode starts all of a sudden, maybe 10 minutes in, I say to my girlfriend, don't think I've heard Attenborough yet. Right. So I, yeah, ruined the sound settings. It keeps all the dynamic music, takes away any narration. Right. So if you're in the mood just to sit there and watch some stunning photography yeah, yeah, yeah. with some dynamic music and uh, soundtrack, yep. I'd recommend doing it. Play with the sound systems, no narration. You're just watching it because a lot of it, and a lot of it is like uh, he puts a lot of narrative in it that isn't there. So there's a lot of nonsense going on. Very immersive, very enjoyable. He's going for David Attenborough. Love David Attenborough. Oh, it doesn't sound like you do. Okay, watch it with his narration, then watch it again without, and you tell me which one's more enjoyable. I, um, if you watch the the relaxed TV things they have, I don't think so. Uh, so they're just like f- allegedly 15-hour Netflix yeah, things right. of just like a, a fire yep. or a train journey or fl- people fly fishing. Yep. One night I was just like, screw it, I, I want to get into that. And there was too much action for my liking. What are you talking about? Like the train journey, there was like someone narrating the start of it and people oh, getting their tickets. Yeah, no, oh, no, 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 don't do that. What are you doing? What are you doing? So what you're saying, I could be into that. Definitely. Especially like if you want to do something like um, – Read a book. Yeah, yeah. So you don't need to concentrate on it, but then you can look up from now on. Or if you're doing work even yeah. perhaps. Um, but yeah, it was really enjoyable. <laughs> Do you want to know what else? Because I, I said, it? should I fix it? And my girlfriend said, no, I don't think you should. Um, do you want to know what else they had on the plane? Love you. Love to know. <laughs> it's similar to this. Uh, kitten TV. I want to ask what that entails, but I feel like I know what kitten uh, TV yeah, is. Yeah, it's just yeah. a camera and there's kittens. But each, there's, I think, eight different kitten TV uh, movies, yeah. episodes, and each one is a different scenario. What do you mean scenario? So, like, there's one that is um, 
scary kittens or scared, oh, sorry, scaredy cats. And it's like a little haunted house set. And there's like little ghosts that someone's obviously moving across. And then dry ice comes down. And there's like eight kittens playing. Another one was Kitten Town. And every now and then it was like a little town and shit set up. And every now and then a little kitten would be lowered on a hot air balloon in, jump out and play with the other kittens. Kitten TV. Um, there's one, I think they're on Mars. Of course, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a channel on Emirates uh, channel. I bet that was the most popular channel for people to watch. Oh, it was a pretty – you had to like really go through to find it. Oh, okay. I found it. Poor marketing. Yeah. The old kitten, kitten <laughs> TV people. Yeah. Fast and Furious <laughs> to Kitten TV. Classic. I know how to make the most out of flying, Dave. Absolutely. Now, I feel like you've made the most out of the end of the episode. So <laughs> where do we find you? Uh, at Ale of a Time everywhere, aleofatime.com, facebook.com slash Ale of a Time. That's it. Uh, Dave, what do you got? At Melb Dave on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, yeah, send us an email perhaps, Dave at Alavatime.com. If you've got any news outside Victoria that we are missing, inside Victoria if we're missing it, mm. let us know. Uh, give us a rating. What about that? Yeah, we haven't had a new rating. It's been almost a year. God damn. Um, uh, especially send us some cash. Get on Patreon. Oh, uh, yeah. Sling us a buck. Sling us a buck. It'll be worth your while. I'm promising you that. Yep. Depends so, how much you give. If you give yeah, too much, yeah. maybe I can't guarantee that. But uh, <laughs> give us something. It will be worth it. You just wait and see. Um, also check out the Hypothetical Institute, my conspiracy theory podcast we're doing. JFK. If oh, not JFK this week, next one, week. We're doing a double JFK banger. Yeah. Wrap so, your laughing gear around that. I don't know yeah. That laughing and, and mind grapes. Mind grapes. I yep. love that term. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Dave. Bye.